Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. Well, hello there. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. We are going to recap some action from week four. At the quarter mark here, I feel like we have a better handle on things. We have a lot more data to analyze. We have a lot more matchups to check out. I urge you to drop me a note at Williamson NFL on Twitter. I urge you to check out the rest of the Locked On Network. Check out your favorite team. Check out Locked On Fantasy. Check out Locked On NFL Draft. Um, up until this point, I've been keeping track of my picks. 37 and 25, and I've got the Giants tonight. Could do better. Nothing too shit. Nothing too great there, to say the least. But let's start with the early game not the not the most glamorous game obviously uh from england jacksonville indianapolis the jags play there a lot um but you know not only did most of us watch this one separately you know like you do a sunday night or monday night or whatever but this has a lot of implications for their terrible division (laughs) you know i mean all of a sudden and what's interesting to me is many of us looked at this division, AFC South, and thought, wow, you know, they're getting better. You know, there's a lot to get excited about here. Houston went out and got Osweiler and all these other offensive weapons. Jacksonville spent a fortune yet again in free agency. They get Dante Fowler back. Bortles is getting better. You know, the Jags are ready to take the next step. You looked at the Colts and thought, okay, their offense should still be really good. Luck comes back from injury. The Titans, uh, a year two of Mariota, much like Jacksonville, spent a lot of money in free agency and have all these picks. You know, they moved out from the, the you know an early draft pick and they go back and they take Conklin. Okay, there's good things happening. This division's on the rise. Well, as it stands right now, Houston's three and one. Everyone else is one and three. But Houston's not that impressive. I mean, it's still their division to lose. Don't get me wrong. But this is a huge win just from that perspective for Jacksonville. And it wasn't a well-played game. There was a lot of penalties. There was a lot of draw passes, especially by the Colts receivers. Um, the Jags had 145 yards of pass or of penalties against them. I mean, geez. And they end up winning the game. The two things that I took out from Jacksonville that I'm most excited about, and there's a big asterisk by this, is because of the, the opponent they played. But you can only play the people you line up against, and you know there there is some merit to that. They actually ran the ball. And I've been a huge, you guys know this, I've been a huge T.J. Yeldon fan. And he's had nowhere to go. He hasn't been that great, to say the least. The line hasn't been very good for him. Clearly his best game, you know, this year, again, against a bad defense. But I like the way he runs a lot. Um, Maybe that's something to build off of. Finally, they have a running game. Finally, the offensive line 
was not a liability. Again, they're playing the Colts. I get that. So that was something. And the other thing that's been a major problem for them is rushing the passer. Well, they got after luck pretty good in this game. And again, I know, I know the Indy offensive line's terrible. There was rookies starting all over the place, in, including their seventh-round pick at guard, Blythe. He really had a bad game. <laughs> he doesn't belong out there. Seventh-round rookie, hey, you go block Malik Jackson most of the day. Uh, that predictably did not go very well, and, and luck was under under strain and stress and pressure a high percentage of this game but you know those were two things that you know from a Jacksonville perspective were really lacking before so uh, let's at least say okay that's a positive step in the right direction in two areas that they needed a lot of help man and I was listening to the around the league podcast NFL the NFL network does and they do a great job and I just heard this stat I'm going to steal it from them actually with Three minutes remaining in the third quarter. Okay, you know what I mean? There's 18 minutes of football left at that point. The Colts had 88 total yards at that point. You know, and they're not playing against the 85 Bears. 88 total yards and 73 penalty yards. That's unbelievable. Luck had 20 dropbacks at that point for 10 yards of passing yards at that point. That's crazy, you know, and... Frank Gore looked good in the beginning. I mean, I think Gore's not the problem, um, but they do do their best work, and without a doubt, whenever they're put it all in Luck's hands and put him in the shotgun and go no huddle and spread the field, and it'd be nice to have Moncrief, obviously. And but man, I don't know what the answer is in Indianapolis, and I think things probably get worse before they get better. I, I just see a lot of dysfunction on both sides of the ball. I don't see instant fixes here. They just ask too much from luck, and there's not enough around them. Another guy stood out in a negative way for them was Antonio Cromartie. He had a terrible game. I mean, I wonder if his days are over in this league. Um, some other uh, mixing some terrible plot clock management by the Jags at the end. Did you see the play where they run the short crosser to Marquise Lee and? Basically, just throw it to him, and he runs right out of bounds with nowhere else to go on the short side of the field for a one-yard gain, kills the clock. What on earth was that? I mean, why? The best possible scenario is you hit him in stride. He has to basically stop his feet, get his shoulders square to the line of scrimmage, and get upfield with very little room to do so. It's just mind-boggling. Just run the ball. Oh, man. But I guess that's pretty much my whole take on that game is – the Jags are still alive. Gus Bradley still has a job, despite some of those clock management nonsense. And we'll see. You know, I'm open to the idea that Jacksonville, with all this wealth of talent that's playing together, you know, uh, newly playing together, can rebound and get to seven wins or so. I'm open to that idea. Next up on the slate, I wanted to talk about the Cowboys going to San Francisco. And the Niners are not going to be high in my power ranks. They have a lot of problems. And But Dallas, I, I was smelling an upset in this game. You know, that San Francisco is a much better team at home. Much better team at home. The Cowboys are without Des Bryant. They were, there, they were without who I think is the best offensive lineman in the league. Their left tackle, Tyron Smith. 
They were also missing Collins, another offensive lineman. You know, obviously we knew Romo was out. And I just thought, San Fran might be able to win this game. And they went up 14-0 right off the bat. And were playing really well. I mean, by their standards, again, this is this is not a Super Bowl team, obviously. But then Elliott really took this game over in the second half. And he's now the NFL's leading rusher. He's getting better by leaps and bounds every week. I'm sure if you lined up his week one tape versus week two tape versus week three tape versus this one, you'd be like, wow, you know, the, he's doing things much better. He's much more comfortable. He's more patient. He's more, you know, he's just learning. You know, I mean, it's very, very obvious. The interior of that San Francisco, or Dallas, the offensive line uh, with Smith out of the game really dominated too as the game went on. And, and unfortunately, the thing... One of the big things to talk about here is Navarro Bowman, you know, that injury. Previous, before he got hurt, San Francisco was highly competitive. And basically, from the point he left, and he's their their veteran, their emotional leader. They just gave him big money, even though they didn't have to. He was playing phenomenal football. And hopefully by now, we, we hear that he's fine. But I my hunch is that's not going to be with the news. And indeed, this wasn't the same. It was drained. They were on the field way too much. And remember, this is a defense that gave up 83 points. 83 between weeks two and three. So it's not like they're loaded. Um, but then you lose your guy. You know, you lose Bowman, and then it was trouble. So, and not to mention, San Francisco had the ball for under 10 minutes in the second half. And their time possession, their, their offensive line was terrible. Gabbert was terrible once again. They just ran read option after read option after read option. You know, didn't they don't have a lot else. I mean, it didn't even feel like, boy, we have this great strategy. We, 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 we found out the weakness of Dallas. They can't stop the read option. We're going to beat them up with it. It was more like we have Carlos Hyde and nothing else, and our line's not good, and our receivers are worse, and what else can we do? Let's run read option and go three and out. It, it seems like that there's just – it's almost going to be unfair to – analyze Chip Kelly's first year because they just don't have the players. So, so much of that. And then the, obviously the defense was on the field the whole time trying to stop Prescott and obviously Elliott and that good offensive line. Back to Prescott for a minute. He played fine. I'm not a hater. I mean, I very much respect what he's done. They're much better with Romo. I have no doubt in my mind about that. I mean, Prescott never threw a ball over 20 yards from what I understand. You know, never even attempted it. And that's fine. That's good coaching. You won. I mean, I looked at this like a Cowboys business trip. I'll say this a lot. You go into a potentially upset, rich environment against a lesser team, and it's not necessarily pretty, and you don't have your best guys, and you're on the road, and you come out of there with a win. That's what good teams do. And Prescott had a lot to do with that. You know, there's no reason to throw the ball 50 yards downfield over and over if what you're doing works, and that's good coaching. But I also don't know that he's equipped to do that yet either. You know, look... If this game, you know, they were down 14 nothing, and if he would have been forced to be in third and eight over and over and drive the ball down the field and make deep throws, and not that he's a bad passer, it's just a different level of quarterbacking. Um, I just don't know that he's ready to do that yet. So there's a lot of short stuff to Beasley and those guys. And a lot of those other weapons stepped up, I thought, with Dez out. So that's encouraging. That was a big concern of mine this offseason was, what if Dez goes down? Who else can catch a pass in this offense? Well, they got some, you know, Terrence Williams played okay, and, you know, they weren't bad in that regard. Um, 
buzz over my other notes here. All that read option. Oh, man, that makes me bonkers. Um, I think that's about it. You know, but I do think once Romo comes back, a good, efficient offense becomes an excellent offense. And who knows how long he'll last. And But he's in, he's a better quarterback than Dak Prescott, guys. Again, that doesn't take anything away from what Prescott's doing. Highly poised. He looks great. Um, two guys I really do like from San Francisco, though, are their last two first-round picks out of Oregon. They're similar players and body types, and they're, you know, six, 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 seven long arms. J.J. Uh, Watt-style body types, you know, true 3-4 defensive ends, but nowadays that's not what you do. You move them all over the place. Armstead's had a very good year. I thought Buckner was the better prospect of the two coming out of Oregon, and I thought he outplayed Armstead in this game. But I think they should be very, very happy with both players. And those kind of guys don't grow on trees. I mean, difference-making defensive linemen that are highly versatile. So that's something to get excited about. But, man, times are tough. Times are tough for the Niners in terms of talent. We opened with, you know, some talk of the AFC South and how that actually is a big divisional game. But the biggest divisional game of the weekend was in the NFC South. Did I say the AFC South first? You know what I mean. We're talking Jacksonville, Indianapolis first. And now we are talking, man, the, the NFC South, where I picked the Panthers in this game. Panthers are now 1-3. and three. They've lost to the Vikings. They've lost to the Broncos. They've lost to a very good Atlanta team now. And Atlanta's 3-1. and one. The rest of the division's 1-3. and three. So not only do they have a two-game lead, but they really have like a two-and-a-half game lead over the Panthers with this win. So I know Football Outsiders does a lot of great work for playoff percentages and, you know, the degree of how important each game is. And this game was highly, highly important for playoffs already. I mean, week four, you know, to, to go to three and one, have a two-game lead over the rest of the division, and to have a game in hand basically over the Panthers is gigantic. Julio goes for 300 Ryan goes for 500. Um, I, I was at, I know a lot of people are talking about Matt Ryan as the quarter point MVP. I think that's legit. I'm not sure who else jumps off the page there. I think he's right in the running without question. Um, the Falcons offense was as good as ever, and I thought that they would come back to reality after this one on it at in this game a little bit after three very mediocre opponents in their first three games, um, and their offense was lighting it up. But it didn't matter. And uh, Falcons fans, I'm a, I'm, I'm a buyer. Don't get me wrong. I love your offensive line. A lot of other weapons stood up besides Julio. Ryan spread the ball around well. Didn't have to run it a lot, um, but did so effectively. I mean, Julio's a monster, obviously. I still have massive concerns about the defense. And... The score of this game doesn't really even show it. You know, the, their defense played better than... And Atlanta played better than the score even indicates. This game was never even really competitive. I mean, they 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 took it out. I mean, they, they crushed the, the Panthers in this game. But I'm right. I just wrote an article, you know, about what's wrong in Carolina. And there's a lot wrong in Carolina. You know, if you start with the big guys, the tackles remain a problem as they were last year. Uh, you and I have talked about this a ton. I don't think the running game is close to the same when Stewart's out. The receivers aren't stepping up. You know, Benjamin and Funches aren't getting separation. Benjamin started the season strong, but he hasn't been able to get away from good coverage at all. Cam Newton, contrary to popular belief, is not Superman. 
he's taken a beating against, especially against Denver, and especially against the Vikings. I, I can't believe that his body's close to 100%. He's never been the most mechanically sound guy to begin with. He's kind of an upper body thrower, doesn't use his feet and bottom half of his body as well as he should. So passes sale, and then we're seeing that more this year than last year. Um, so those are all big issues, you know, are they correctable? Yeah. I mean, they could get back to where they were offensively, especially when Stewart gets back and their scheme doesn't stress their tackles as much as the interior lineman. That's by design and more so really than any team in the league. They know what they want. You know, we're investing in linebackers. We're investing in defensive tackles. We're investing in big receivers. We're going to cut corners at tackle and in the secondary, um, but it's costing them. You know, you got Ben Aben Wickery tr- chasing around Julio Jones all day, and you saw what happened. You know, their their secondary is bad. Could it get better? Yeah, it's very very young. I mean, it's loaded. I mean, it's, there's there's a second year guy and two draft picks back there playing significant snaps. So you would think they only have any anywhere to go but up. But you know, they got to win now. I mean, they had the cap room to keep Josh Norman for another year and then send him on his way. I mean, think they could have used him yesterday. I, I love his front office. I did, didn't understand that move that then. I don't understand it now. I still love their defensive tackles, and their linebackers are awesome. But a, a huge problem is they're not getting pressure from their defensive ends. I mean, I think they only have two sacks from defensive ends this year. And that's not good enough in this system. They don't want to blitz a lot. You know, they... They don't want, they're not going to have high end talent in the secondary. They're asking these guys to cover too long, you know, just as a rule of thumb for the whole season. And it's not going well at all. So there's big problems in Carolina. They're fixable, though, unlike some other teams. I mean, they are fixable. But is that secondary really going to step up? Are those defensive ends really going to step up? Congrats to the Falcons. I mean, that's a statement win in, in the division against a Super Bowl team. Um, the Panthers have to really go back to the drawing board. Um, Atlanta's got a couple tough ones coming up. We'll see how they fare against them. And, and as great as Matt Ryan's playing, he looks great in his second year in the system. We've, we've talked about this a lot. We've talked a lot of Falcons on here. Um, we'll see. You know, I mean, I still think he's a top 10 type quarterback. I'm not ready to say he's the next Tom Brady or anything, you know, that, but the red zone, the offense has been much better. They're much more efficient overall. So good things in Atlanta. There's no question about that. Another startling event. The Bills go to New England and shut them out. What? I was just talking a couple weeks ago where I thought the Bills were going to pick in the top five. I mean, I have to come around on them. They're playing well. I mean, they're... And I don't think it's because they fired the offense coordinator. Uh, they are doing things a little differently. But they're playing without Sammy Watkins. The Bills' offense dominated this game. They dominated in the trenches. Uh, Shady McCoy's playing fantastic. Taylor's playing quite well. Handling pressure extremely well. Wood stepped up big with Watkins out and acted as a number one receiver. Uh, Clay stepped up and they got some production from him. You know, so it's craziness. You know, I mean, they are playing well and they're kind of in a go for broke attitude that, hey, what do we got to lose? Everyone thinks we're getting fired anyway, so let's just give it all we got. And that's especially true on defense where they're blitzing a lot more these last two weeks. And the Patriots were due for a letdown. We can 
talk about how great they are, and they're going to be number one in my power ranks. And they get they get the Browns next week with Tom Brady coming back. I mean, there's a spread in that game thirty. I mean, they're going to crush. They're going to roll from this point on, I'm sure. But Brissett was overmatched in this game. You know, Rex Ryan's defenses aren't easy to play against. He was under pressure a lot. He handled that pressure very poorly. Pat's offensive line didn't play all that well. This Bills front seven is playing much better than I ever thought. You know, I mean, it was a problem last year. They lose Mario Williams. Their first two picks weren't there. Darius isn't there. And now it's actually playing better. Uh, I don't know if you guys know enough about Jerry Hughes, but he's one of the best edge pass rushers in the league. A great player that never, ever gets a recognition he deserves and is playing probably better than ever at any point of his career. Jerry Hughes is a star. Um, Zach Brown. You know, th- th- this linebacking core is active and fast. And Zach Brown came out. He was a Titan before this. And it was kind of a... Uh, what's the... I mean, he was kind of a combine freak, not football player type of guy. You know, flies all over the field, super fast, athletic, but didn't translate to being good at playing football. I'm not sure. He might be turning that corner. You know, I mean, guys age, and he's, what, his fourth or fifth year, something like that. And he's making plays. He's buzzing around. He's still the great athlete. Somebody to absolutely keep an eye on. This secondary has always been a strength of the team. I've never really talked badly about their secondary. Aaron Williams is a corner turned safety, and he's really stepping up his game. Their starting corners are still really good. A lot of man coverage. Um, but Brissett was overmatched here. And uh, Gronk was on the field, but you wouldn't have known it. I mean, how healthy is he really? The guy that the only guy that really stood out for the, the Patriots offense was Martellus Bennett, and he was great. You know, So that's encouraging. When you think big picture with the Patriots, like, yeah, they added another guy. You know, the Bennett's now in the equation. When Gronk's ready and Brady's ready, Bennett's going to really cause problems. And again, I still think the Patriots are an elite, elite team. I will respect Buffalo a lot more and scooch them up the power ranks significantly. Big win for them, certainly, in their playoff chase as well. I mean, I don't have any illusions of them winning the AFC East. Don't get me wrong. But they're playing winning football right now. And... It's It has me a little baffled, but I give them credit. Um, the last game I'm going to touch on, and I'm going to save you guys, is the Sunday Nighter. Steelers-Chiefs, um, I'm sure you watched it. It was a massacre. that was not close in any phase. Um, we'll just skim over it quickly because I don't have, you know, blowouts. There's usually not a lot to talk about. But obviously, the Steelers got blown out the week before, came back in a home environment, and whipped up on the Chiefs every which way you could, actually had some pass rush, they caused some turnovers, got up early, and there was no chance Alex Smith was capable of doing anything to come back in that situation. Roethlisberger's eating that secondary alive, including Peters, getting Coates more involved. Le'Veon Bell's a massive difference maker to bring back to the fold. Antonio Brown, I mean, you got Ben Brown and Bell, they're going to be really hard to beat. Um, I don't, I've had a hard time analyzing the Chiefs anyways because, you know, Fitzpatrick threw him six pass, you know, six interceptions the week before, and who are they really? Jamal Charles didn't play a lot. People, I, I often bash the Chiefs because I'm not an Al Smith fan. I, I think he's very limited. I think he's separates them from the top teams. And I'm not going to say that's why they lost. I mean, it was, you know, a, a terrible... Things went wrong from the start, and 
much like the Steeler game in Philadelphia the week before, sometimes these things happen where you go to the opponent's place and you get your doors blown off and it's just a bad day. And, and I'm sure we'll look back at the Chiefs season and say this was their worst day. They're a better football team than this. They don't rush passer very well. Secondary got exposed, like I said. They don't really have something to hang their hat on on offense. They need to play low-scoring, tight games, and that always worries me. You know, And a lot of that goes back to the quarterback. Uh, their guards are poor. So, uh, we'll see. I'm not saying they're not a, a potential playoff team. You know, you look at that division, and Denver is a 4-0. Um, they're doing well. Simeon's banged up. We'll talk about that probably more tomorrow. Raiders had an impressive win to go to 3-1. and one. Chargers had a close loss to go to 1-3. and three. And Kansas City's sitting there at 2-2. Two and two. You look around the rest of the AFC, I'd really be shocked if a second team comes out of the South. In the East, I don't see you know, the Jets are one and three, the Dolphins are one and three, Buffalo's now two and two. Could the Bills be a wild card team? Possibly. Um, I guess the Jets could turn things around. They're not playing well either. Uh, and then in the North, Browns are the worst team in the league. Ravens are three and one, which is probably about where they belong, as are the Steelers. I think the Steelers are a playoff team. I have some mixed feelings about the Bengals at two and two. So I think Kansas City's in that conversation with the Bills, the Bengals. I think that's the tier I would put them on. You know, like just scanning here at the top of my head, and I didn't plan on doing this. When I look at the AFC, I think the Patriots, the Steelers, and the Broncos are the best group. Then I would say the Ravens, Raiders, and Texans, I guess, are on that second tier. And then the third tier is probably... Buffalo, Cincinnati, Kansas City. So, uh, you know, that's where they stand. Again, I'm not super strong on those convictions. I, I don't exactly know what Houston. I don't want to write the Jets off completely yet either. I think Miami's in for a long year. Browns are non-factor. So, that's where we're at. Went over five games today. I just wanted to mention the Steeler game because it was a quick one. A um, little bonus prize. I, I always w watch that game a little more intently, as you know. We'll go over more games tomorrow. Maybe we'll talk more injuries, too. we find a little bit more out on the injury front. Who's all banged up? I mentioned Simeon. Um, that'll be a big story. Does Lynch take over from here? I don't know. We will discuss. All right, guys. Take care. Napa it takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17